0: Two Foreskins Walk Into a Bar A serial novel by Chris Thompson Narrated by Chris Thompson Chapter 4 Dick Winox Lionel and I took the Q train to Coney Island. As we talked, his eyes flicked around the carriage, counting the passengers. At Avenue M, an older couple with a shopping cart full of beach toys disembarked and we were alone. Lionel got his cock out and we both looked at it. I hadn't seen it flaccid very often, I remarked. It was like being introduced to someone very close and important to Lionel, a key figure in his life story about whom I'd heard many things and who I finally meet at a Christmas party. I sucked it briefly, but reticently, wanting to savour this new acquaintance before the rush of blood returned it to what was familiar. Lionel asked me to take a photo. In this photo, Lionel is smiling. He is proudly holding his penis, pushing his hips forward to make sure it's in shot. He is wearing blue shorts and my red t-shirt with the words Ciao Bella written in the style of the Coca-Cola logo. Lionel has a moustache. One might look at this image and think it was taken in the late 1970s. In every photo I took that day, but have subsequently deleted, Lionel is smiling. Lionel was at ease in his body, and his body was at ease in space. His temerity and disinhibition were electrifying unlike anything I'd experienced. He struck silly poses, not caring who was watching. It was an unspoken truth that in all photos, no matter where he was or what he was doing, Lionel looked beguiling. Conversely, in every image of me on this day, I have a deranged, manic grin, and my shoulders are up by my ears. I'm strung out. An exhausted, emaciated scarecrow let loose on the town, To this day, whenever the camera is on me, I feel my gargoyle nose grow by two inches and my ears protract such that I resemble a lemur. Face of possum, tooth of mouse, ear of bat. Simply put, in all photos, no matter where I am or what I am doing, I am a big nose on the end of a neck. Lionel informed me that as we age, our noses grow bigger and our dicks shrink. It followed, that for someone like me, with a big nose and an average penis, an equinox would occur, a day on which both were the same length. Lionel called this my dickquinox and gaily predicted it would occur on my 52nd birthday. I'll come find you on that day with a measuring tape. We walked along the beach and sang Abba songs at the top of our voices, replacing Chiquitita with Chicken Tika. Whenever we passed other beachgoers, Lionel touched my buttocks, which he informed me were now his property. I was wearing the jockstrap he had requested by text message the night before, and the black ripped denim shorts he liked. The word of the year is change, I said. We were riffing on what this might be. Lionel raised his eyebrows. You're right, that shit. Rebirth. My word of the year is... uh, uh. What's that? It's the sound you make when I penetrate you. I came in my jockstrap. We looked at each other in amazement. I think I'm a little bit in love with you, he said. Lionel grabbed my crotch and squeezed the spunk so it oozed through my shorts onto his hands. He licked his wet fingers and marched me into Ruby's bar and grill where he fucked me in the bathrooms. Since we were there, we decided to eat. Lionel's party trick was to recite the kings and queens of England in chronological order, which he did for the waitress. She looked at me and I rolled my eyes, but she wasn't fooled by my faux ennui. Got yourself a smart one there, she said, a reluctant third party dragged into our mating ritual. After dessert, we held a photography competition, each submitting his best three photos of the day for the other to score. My entrants were all of Lionel, his were all of the beach. The winning photo, we both agreed, was Lionel, gleefully presenting his penis to the camera with his hand on his chin like Paul Revere. Every image of Lionel evoked the pioneering American spirit a man on a mission, consequences be damned. I was scrolling through these photos on the subway as I headed to Brooklyn Library. It was two weeks since I turned up at his vacant apartment and Lionel was not returning my calls. No one in the library had seen him. He'd stopped attending his classes. Nevertheless, I was showing up to the library every day hoping he'd come. At night, I writhed with recrudescent insomnia, replaying every single conversation in my head Until I found the thing I said or did that turned him away. Of one thing I was certain this was my fault. My producer arranged an informal reading of Carthage. The goal was to understand to what degree the play would need translating for an American audience. Nowadays, I've declined all productions of the play due to its final line, but back then, we were just worried if the audience would know trainers meant sneakers and suck my pussy was not a term of endearment. One of the actors, a British guy, who we may as well call Marty, had a broken foot. He was a good actor, but I suspected that his most successful performance was his daily feat of fooling those around him that he was coping with life. I detected a fellow loser, and I made a beeline. Marty broke his foot, slipping on some spunk in the showers at the Equinox gym and Columbus Circle. He was about to audition for the part of a talking bird in a well-known musical, but never made the audition. Well, at least I'll be free for your play, he quipped but I knew full well we'd replace him with an A-lister at the earliest opportunity. (coughs) Pulled out. I was assured not due to my bowel movements, and my producer was courting several other male leads with box office potential. I decreed Marty and I should become friends. He had a husband, so there was never a question of us existing sexually, though of course I fantasized he would fall in love with me and leave his partner. This was another one of my least likable qualities, assuming people were in love with me when they weren't. When I accused Gilbert, my therapist, of suppressing his love for me, he shrieked with laughter. The question is, why do you need me to be in love with you? The answer was, clearly, I had a deeply held belief that I was unlovable. But I wasn't too interested in hearing any of that, so I sacked him. Marty approved of my dismissing Gilbert and proposed the therapeutic value of dumping one therapist. He loved you on a subconscious level, babes. He just couldn't face up to it yet. This seemed reasonable. And I like the idea of Gilbert using his misery balls on himself at night to process the grief of losing me. Marty grabbed my hand suddenly and leaned towards me. I want to tell you something that no one else knows. We've only just met. Yes, but I want to tell you, although you can't tell anyone else. I promise I'll be discreet. I found out my husband was on dating sites, so I made a couple of fake profiles that he matched with and talks to. He mainly talks about how he's missing intimacy and someone to chat with. He says he feels very alone. I can't work out if I should tell him it's me. Marty let go of my hand and signalled to the waiter for the bill. Before I could speak, he said, I'd prefer it if you didn't respond. It's enough that you know. I had an appointment to honour, so I arranged to meet Marty later. I had to be at a hair and beauty salon in Long Island City for 5pm by arrangement with a French benefactor with whom I'd been having phone sex. We matched on a muscle-worshipping site, whereby men with big muscles who like to be worshipped are matched with people like me who want to worship them. Silvio was in his early 50s and had a deep, sonorous voice. It quickly became clear that Silvio would rather have been heterosexual. I'm a man. I do man smells. My shit smells because I'm a man but you spray perfume in the bathroom after you go and you spend forever in there with your creams and lotions and makeup. I'm wedding by the door and I'm angry with you again because you take so long to get ready. This was a typical rumination, he'd say in one breath during our evening calls. It was a condition of us having sex that he'd take me to his favourite beauty parlour and I have a full body wax and my toenails painted. ''You're my baby girl,'' he drawled on the phone as I jerked off. ''I fuck you any time I want. Three times a day minimum and two times at night. No other man can have you.'' This seemed ambitious, but I was prepared to try. By this time, I'd developed an obsession with his cock. He'd sent me pictures of it and described it on the phone in such alluring detail that I knew I wouldn't rest until I'd had it. The full body wax was peculiar, but I was so intoxicated by our evening phone calls that I'd have agreed to anything. You're older than the others, the technician said as she poured wax into my ass crack. I'm only 38. Much older. At once, she pulled the strip away with a flourish. She soon found her rhythm, repeating the phrase much older before tearing the strip away each time. Much older, rip, much older, rip. My genitals looked like a blobfish, slimy, gelatinous and pink. I put on the women's frilly knickers that Silvio had slipped into my pocket before the appointment and slithered into the foyer. Silvio was paying, whereas I wanted to throw the cash at them with my last dregs of dignity and take my glabrous genitals out of there as fast as I could, Silvio was putting on a show. I once saw Helen Mirren provoke a standing ovation in a mediocre play by sheer force of stage presence. She chose her target, most likely a tragic homo, and induced him to his feet with a gracious, sweeping upwards motion of her arm and a wry smile. One by one, picking off the weakest first, she brought the whole house to its feet. Here, Silvio was doing the same. Deftly, he brought the entire room to him. We held our breath as he thought he'd lost his wallet, but oh no, what's this? It was in his pocket all the time. A collective outbreath through the nose and knowing half smiles from his enraptured audience, four women in foils, eyes peering over iPads. And now, each bill laid out on the counter one by one. I could see his cock begin to bulge as he handed over the cash and gave a tip, a gesture that was as demure as it was ostentatious, and that would surely, in any other setting, garner applause. "'Doesn't she look sexy?' he asked the room of me. "'My sexy girl.'" I had a sudden presentiment that I was about to have a heart attack. I saw myself waking up on a hospital gurney surrounded by medical students, cutting open my clothes to find my frilly knickers and bald cock poking through like E.T.'s finger. I ran. I ran so fucking fast My hairless genitals swished with frictionless ease, but Silvio was following me in his car. I turned down 47th Avenue and continued to sprint, Silvio gaining on me every second. He swung the car onto the sidewalk in front of me. I rolled along the hood. Where are you, Lionel? I wailed to the sky, a pathetic apostrophe even by my standards. I lay draped over the car. Get in, you crazy bitch! Silvio barked. In one hand, he had the steering wheel. In the other, his hard, enormous cock. I have never felt so desired in my entire life. It was around midnight when I left Silvio's. I determined to find Marty in Hell's Kitchen. He was on crutches still, so I figured I could help him some way. I found him on the dance floor in Boxer's. He'd bought some coke and was dancing with one leg in a plaster cast, encircled by supportive onlookers. Titania in her bow, surrounded by her attendant fairies. I'm having an emotional affair with my own husband, he shouted above the music. I've just waxed my entire body hair, I shouted back. We danced. I was still in a state of manic exhilaration from my melodrama with Silvio. The music pumped through us. At one point, I swore the music was emanating from me personally. I, the source of all life. And the men. Magnificent, pulchritudinous men. Suddenly, all I could see now was potential. I've made it to New York. Anything is possible. I went big on a dance move. I leapt. If you freeze-framed this moment, it would be the movie poster of my life. Soaring. Fearless. Free. Free. I landed on Marty and broke his other foot. Next time on Two Foreskins Walk Into a Bar. Are you fucking kidding me? I deserve love too. All my erections are unmedicated. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying, please rate and review wherever you get your podcasts.